Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome to Mayor Thursday on the Andy Griffin Show. I'm Andy. Thanks for being here. We're used to the usual cast of characters on Mayor Thursday. Uh, you've got Michelle Randall, and you've got, uh, of course, uh, Chris Staley over in Washington, Annette Billings in Hurricane. Uh, we even hear from uh, Rick Rosenberg and Chris Hard and, you know, like I said, the, kind of the usual suspects. But today we have, for the first time ever on the show, and Mayor that's never been here, Bill Hoster is here from Leeds City. Hey, Bill, how are you? I am great. Thanks for having me, Andy. Thanks for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, we had some, you know, we're trying to get a hold of each other, and we finally got cell numbers. I think we're good now. I do. Now yeah, yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself. First of all, how long have you been in southern Utah, in, in, in Leeds in particular, and, and what brings you here ultimately? Sure. Yeah, I, knew, I I moved to uh, Leeds almost three and a half years ago. Okay. Um, from Salt Lake, kind of the Cottonwood Heights area. Okay. And uh, it was it was quite a shift to come down to uh, to where we live now. Pretty rural. You know, yeah. we had like one grocery store and a post office. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> it took me a little bit of getting used to, uh, but now you couldn't pull me away from it. You got a uh, wife and kids? I do. I've got a, a wife of uh, 26 years. Nice. And then three kids, uh, one living in New York, another just came home from serving in the Navy. Nice. And uh, my daughter just got married. She plays uh, Division One golf for ISU. Uh, she's wow. a senior this year, kind of wrapping I- it up. ISU being Iowa State or uh, Idaho, Idaho State? State? Idaho State. Idaho yep. State. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very cool. Wow. So uh, golf is in the blood, huh? Golf is in our blood. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we love it. I'm going to confess right up front, I'm a terrible golfer. You know, that doesn't matter these days. All you got to do is go out and have fun with good people, right? I was There was a while when I was in my 20s where I was into it. I was golfing all the time, and, and you know, I, I never took lessons, but I, I played enough that I felt like I knew what I was doing. And then uh, mid-90s, I... Uh, uh, I played in the Nevada Pro-Am, had a nice time, got to meet, you know, uh, Andre Agassi was there. Oh, yeah. My golf partner for the scramble uh, in my cart was uh, Marty Baird, who used to play for the Boston Red Sox. And, and it was just a good time. And that is almost literally the last time I picked up a golf club. I don't know, something clicked. I don't know. I had a young family, couldn't really afford to golf yeah. much. And I, I haven't uh, golfed really in the last 20, well, that's 28 years ago. So. I love how humbling it is. Yeah. No matter it's, how oh, good you sure think is. you are, <laughs> it's a game you'll never win, but it, it keeps you humble. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. Uh, Bill is uh, originally, so Cottonwood Heights area, and you're a business, you were a businessman up there? Yeah. I uh, I used to be a paramedic. Um, okay. And uh, I did that in Salt Lake City for about uh, 15 years. Wow. So yeah. you've seen a lot, you know, a lot of I, stuff you'd yeah. rather not discuss, I'm sure. I've got some ugly stories. Yeah. Uh, and, uh during that time, I I was uh, figuring out there were some gaps, uh, you know, uh, that I wanted to fill and, and mm. uh, created a product and patented it for spinal stabilization. And then wow. uh, another for mass casualty training and uh, kind of left the medical field entirely, went and got an MBA, started a company, started working with some other companies, and then started buying and selling companies. Um, and now wow. I own a... Uh, 
hardware software company out of uh, Salt. We, we're still in Salt Lake City with that, and uh, it manages and controls all of the narcotics that are outside of a pharmacy. So, in a fire truck or ambulance, they'll have narcotics uh, right. that sometimes get stolen, and so our system maintains all of that connects with the DEA, all of the reports they need to have. And hmm. not a very sexy, uh, you know, industry, but, <laughs> but we love it. Uh, we love working with the, uh, the family of EMS and fire. And uh, in fact, it's been a, you know, kind of a, um, an opportunity that came with being a mayor here is that I was appointed to the uh, board for the Hurricane Fire Service District, yeah. and the chairman over that. And it, it's great. We've got so many wonderful people in that industry that I love working with every day. Very cool. It sounds like you used some of your experience then as a paramedic to parlay that into your your business that you run now. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. very cool. Yeah, very cool. Uh, leads. Why leads? How did you settle on leads? Did you you're driving down I fifteen? We want to get we want to get out of the hustle and bustle, and and then you stopped in leads. What what's that all about? You know, it's an interesting story. So I didn't know leads existed, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I, I have owned property in St. George, and we would usually stay down here uh, during holidays and such and knew this was where we were going to finally wind up. Uh, a house came for sale that was in Leeds that uh, um, was on the market for a day or so, and uh, I had a relative call and say, hey, you should go look at this, and I and I did. And so, so you get the message, there's a house in Leeds, and you'd never heard of Leeds before. Correct. So you had to kind of Google or what, look it yeah. up and say, now, what is Leeds? Yeah, it looked like this just kind of rural agricultural area, and which I thought was, was pretty nice, pretty appealing. And so I drove down, took a look at it, and fell in love with the place, mm-hmm. and um, uh, I just bought it on the spot. And... Um, that was that was kind of the the beginning of the role, and uh, now we've uh, we've just come to love the place. We are really tight with our with our neighbors and our community. But being a mayor wasn't in the cards, you know. It was. <laughs> I was going to say, if you've been, you know, in in business and and as a paramedic, you probably never ran for political office, right? Never. No. Wow. No, I've you know i I've actually sat on the other side of politicians with with creating policy and legislation of what will work in different Mm -hmm. business uh, arenas. However, when I came here, it was uh, some of the neighbors who had had approached me and said, Hey, we, we would like to see you do this. And really it was, it was something that I thought was going to be much less uh, consuming than it is. But um, I look at it as service and that's really what it is where I'm at. Uh, I kind of get to have a unique card because I don't get paid to do this. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a volunteer, and um, I've got to wear a lot of hats uh, while doing it. But I'm really excited to help the people that I uh, that I live around, and and I also see a lot of uh, struggles and, and wins of different people in the community that um, that I'm able to assist as well, mm-hmm. and give them a voice and help them to uh, uh, have the neighborhood that they like and and the opportunities that they're looking for and. But overall, it's it's completely service. I was going to say you're you're not in it for the money. Then is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Well, now Leeds is an interesting place. The the location right on the freeway. Uh, there are there there are towns out there in the state of Utah that aren't on the I-15 corridor that, quite frankly, have, are shriveled up and died or or close to it. So Leeds does have that location right there. Uh, on the freeway, you can't help but drive right by it if you're going from even from just from St. George to Cedar. Uh, 
is the growth that now we had the the Tokerville mayor on. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had obviously the Hurricane mayor, Washington mayor. They, they all talk about the explosive growth. Is that touching? Uh, is that touching leads to? Are you guys going to experience a lot of that? You know, we are. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll be straight up with it. And there are a lot of people in Leeds who would love to have closed the door behind us. Mm-hmm. And it's just not an option these days. Uh, a lot of property was purchased a long time ago and some new. Uh, and so coming really from the Tokerville exit uh, south uh, to the uh, Harrisburg area is is Leeds. And we've got about six developers now that I speak with almost on a daily basis of what mm. they want to um, start to get, start to turn dirt for. And one of them is a, is a large athletic recreation complex that has been in, in and out of the news a lot. Yeah. Uh, that one sits right at the BLM line outside of our, our border at the Tokerville exit. And then there's like 300 acres aside from that that they want to turn into uh, more hotels and um, uh, luxury places to accommodate the uh, recreation complex. And then uh, for the east side of Leeds, just right over that bluff, there's Mm -hmm. about 400 acres there uh, that has intentions of being developed, Um, talking with that developer frequently. uh, That will connect kind of with what's happening in Tokerville with that bypass road. Right. And uh, Firelight's got a, a lot happening up there. I think almost three, 4,000 rooftops coming in up there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And wow. then on the uh, south end of our town, we've got some development that's also coming in. So your your population could conceivably, what, 10, 10 times, three, three times what it is? Most likely. In, in not, that far, uh, not that far off. Right. Yeah. Um, does this, uh, as, a, as, a to- as a Leeds guy, I don't know why I keep saying Tokerville, as a Leeds guy, does I love this, Tokerville too, though. Yeah, <laughs> a great place. Yeah. Uh, does this please you or displease you that it's going to grow, or are you kind of taking the attitude, like you said a minute ago, nothing we can do about it, so we're just going to go with it? You know, I I appreciate that question because I had to really talk with a lot of people about this. Um, I was very candid during my campaigning mm-hmm. that uh, I'm not anti-growth. I really think growth is inevitable as long as it's not happening to you. I think is important if it's happening with you and you're a part of it and you're hmm. able to help steer it, that's better. And so we've been very um, integral with the developers and talking about this is the vision that we'd like to see. We had just completed our general plan for leads right as I came into office, got to see everyone's opinions about what they wanted to see in leads, what they wanted to have happen and parlay that information over to these developers to say, you want to work with our community, and uh, these are the things that they had specific, specifically outlaid for uh, their vision of leads. And, and every one of the developers have said, yes, that's that's what we want, too. Hmm. Uh, we want to keep the value where it should be. And I'm a very big proponent of property rights for the developer who wants to come in. They have their rights, but sure. also their neighbors um, have property rights, and we don't want anything to negatively impact the existing population. Infrastructure-wise, what has to happen for all this to happen? I mean, is it the up to the developer to develop the infrastructure as well to connect to uh, old leads? So that's a, another great question. And <laughs> I got to tell you, you know, Andy, coming into this, I had no idea about this stuff, you know. Um, right, sure. I'm a business Most guy. people don't, yeah. Yeah, and so 
I was drinking from a fire hose. I still am on on how all this <laughs> stuff happens, you know, with infrastructure, with water, sewer, um, gas, electric, and addressing those circumstances. So Leeds has has been a a place with with septic tanks, and so sure. there was a study that was done not too long ago that uh, Southwest Health Department did, identifying that the groundwater absorption was at this level, which required nine acres in between each septic tank. And Hmm. so the town was able to kind of lean on that and, hey, you can't develop here because this study. And uh, so, sorry. And, but now they're, uh, the developers are working with uh, the Ash Creek Sewer uh, District and with Washington Water Conservancy. Our own local water department leads, uh, leads water is also um, starting to, expand their uh, infrastructure. And so all of those things are necessary for that growth. And in most circumstances, mm-hmm. the developer does finance a majority of it. Uh, there's there's some components that the, that the town and city might uh, help uh, in that. But for the most part, the developers uh, put up the, uh, the initial cash and then they, they do this PID thing um, right. where they kind of get their money back over a period of time. Hand it over to the homeowners eventually, and and all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, d- does that mean there is going to be uh, uh, instead of uh, septic tanks, there's going to be a sewer sewage right. system then in Leeds? Well, I don't think we'll have our own, okay. uh, but we would most likely partner with either the Washington Water Conservancy or Ash Creek uh, to enable uh, sewer in those uh, developing areas. Okay, okay. Uh, what are the big? We had a big show yesterday on water. We had the uh, uh, Joel Ferry, who is the, di- the director of the Department of Natural Resources, and Zach Renstrom, who is the Washington County Water Conservancy District Chair. Uh, we had them on yesterday talking about water and uh, how, you know, eventually, uh, what's what what actually is maybe happening right now is a developer will come in and say, "I want to build ninety homes," for example. This is just a, a random number. Uh, and they'll say, well, okay, but we, we'll give you the plat, we'll give you the approval to do this, but we cannot promise you there will be water for all those homes. You may get 20 homes into it or 40 homes into it, and there's no more water, and you can't have water for the rest of the, the homes. Is that something you have to deal with as a mayor in, in talking with all these de- developers that want to be a part of Leeds? Yes and no. Um, Leeds is unique. We're in, we have our own water department. Mm-hmm. And the the way that department was structured was was based on the water rights that were purchased for the the area. Okay. We also have a lot of agriculture water that's not culinary, and so those equations uh, work within the LDWA, the Water Department for for Leeds. Now, when we start to talk about working outside of that, then we're with the Washington Water Conservancy. And then we're, we're playing into their exact formula for uh, water consumption of what happens. So we've gone down, I think, now to 0.42 acre feet per resident uh, for per year. And those are, those are restrictions that include how much grass they can put in, what kind yeah. of vegetation and, uh, um, and appliances and things. So we're really kind of a unique in that perspective in that with the with the LDWA, the local Leeds Water District, um, we don't have those, and so that may come to be something that 
is enforced in the future or um, or we allow Washington Water Conservancy to come in to the boundaries of Leeds and uh, and then it facilitates that way. But it, I want to, you know, stress there's 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 kind of a hard point with this water in that we don't know what we really have and what right. we really don't have. Mm. And so we just play conservative as much as possible. We do live in a desert. We realize that. And um, yeah. there's uh, there's very few people who would argue, you know, that we we, sh- we should implement these uh, or we shouldn't implement restrictions and trying to be more cognizant of the future. In our discussion yesterday with the, those two gentlemen, it came to light that the new homes, commercial, new commercial, even nonprofits, if if they build now, they're not allowed to have grass unless there's a special permit or, or if they can prove the grass is going to be used. I think what they're trying to do away with is these big lawns that never get used. Uh, mm-hmm. The LDS Church has been, I don't think it's a fault of theirs, that they just always had lawns next to, next to their buildings. Right. Well... Most of the time, those lawns didn't get used. And so the Water Conservancy District is trying to say, look, unless you can guarantee, like maybe it's a little park or something, that it is going to get used, we can't allow you to keep keep doing that. And uh, I mean, honestly, like you said, we live in a desert. This, this is a good thing. We need to be on the conservative side of things. So uh, explosive growth then and leads as well. Huh? So many people coming in. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how fast it's going to happen to call it explosive, but I know that the planning is going to start uh, where it, it wasn't before. Hmm. And it was pretty much going to, you know, be this little Mayberry, which... I, I mean, love kind Mayberry. Of, <laughs> kind of coincidental there, right? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and it, it, it really has been a Mayberry where we've we've just had this nice agriculture... Everybody knows everybody in the town, and, and it uh, it's, it's going to start to change a little bit, yeah. My uh, my dad uh, lived in New Harmony for a while, and so we would drive through Leeds quite often because I lived in Washington. We drive through Leeds on the way right. uh, up to New Harmony, and uh, the uh, the joke was not maybe not a joke, but the funny thing was for a while uh, we joked that Leeds had one police car, and it was always sat on Main Street, and there was a dummy in the police car because they never actually really pulled anybody Shh, over. You're not supposed to tell everybody about that. <laughs> What what's the state of of uh, emergency response? I know you, and we don't want to get into yet the Hurricane Valley Fire Fire District thing yet because we'll do that after the break. But what what about response time? What about policing Lead City? First of all, does it need it? And second of all, if it needs it, is it there for you? Absolutely. So we we partner with the uh, Washington Sheriff's Department, mm-hmm. and our coverage is actually really phenomenal. And really, we have had great uh, response times out of them, and and also their interaction with our uh, community has been good too hmm. but they know everything uh that is going on in leeds and for the most part it's amazing we've got a lot of police officers who live in leeds oh really we we do yeah and so their vehicles are usually out in front of their homes and things but uh we we canceled our own police department and went with the washington uh, sheriff's office i think mm-hmm. it's been it's long before i got here yeah. Uh, but yeah we still have the uh the one car that sits out front that we I love it, didn't man. get rid of yeah i think it's awesome <laughs> it, it's a good reminder for for some people who have a uh, lead foot that <laughs> there you, you go. slow yeah. down when you're when you're going through town uh the north end of leeds there used to be a little commercial development there there were some restaurants and stuff what's going on up there in the north part of town boy i'll tell you that is one of the best Mexican food, authentic Mexican food. Okay, so they're they're open. What's the name of it? Do in you remember? The area. Yeah, it's Casa Tequiliana. 
Casa Tequiliana. Yeah, okay. if you um, if you drive by, you won't miss it because there's a ton of cars out there. And uh, then right next to it is is mainly pizza, which uh, they serve uh, beer, wings, pizza. Have kind of a a sports theme going on in there, and mm-hmm. it's usually packed too. So we have a lot of people who come in for. Uh, the historic Wells Fargo Leeds Museum yeah. um, that's right there, and uh, that that was that was really booming, especially during uh, the pandemic, where so many people were hitting Zion's and getting turned away, and then finding yeah, got to uh, find something else to do, yeah, yeah, and it 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 really exploded there, really helped our our restaurants, our local restaurants there, and uh, but we also still have a ton of ATVers and mountain bikers and hikers. Hmm. Because Oak Grove goes right up into, you know, Yance Flats, and that's just accessed right through Leeds. So they'll stop there and have their lunch, and uh, it, it works out great. A few years ago, there was a documentary uh, about Leeds. Have you seen the documentary? I have, yeah. Have there's you? another one that just came out. Oh, there's, there is another one, like a sequel or a different maker, completely different? Uh, different. Uh, it's about Father Scantlin, who... Uh, uh, was working with all of the miners in Leeds. So Leeds used to have like two, 3,000 people yeah. uh, that were the miners that had come over from, I think, Pinoche, Nevada. And uh, a lot of uh, um, Catholic and Protestants, and uh, they were working in the mines, and this Father Scantlin helped them um, with their religious issues. And I can't remember the the other, I should know, the, the other uh, guy's name that was from the uh, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they meet up and uh, in a restaurant, and they talk. And uh, hmm. this uh, Father Scantlin is troubled for not having a, a place uh, for for worship and sermon. So uh, this guy got him into the tabernacle here in St. George. Oh, wow. Yeah, and huh. uh, the choir sang in Latin their uh, their sermon. It was it was quite the deal. And uh, but it's cool. it's a little documentary that just came out. I think two weeks ago. All right. I wonder. Do you know where we can find that? If I'm going, we wanted I'm to look it. it up during the break. Okay. We'll take a commercial break. I'm with Bill Hosser, the mayor of Leeds, Utah. And uh, he gets paid big money to do that. Actually, yeah. he doesn't get paid anything to do that. But, uh, we'll take a quick time out. We'll check in with weather and be back with uh, more with Bill after this. A touch of conservatism, a dash of attitude, and a pound of truth. Only on News Radio 890, 92.5, KDXU, Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back, 934 on this Thursday morning, the 26th day of January. Bill Hoster is with me, the mayor of Leedstown, or just Leeds, Utah. Bill, thanks for coming in today. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me again, Andy. Do you, uh, were you able to find out where we can uh, maybe get a copy or, or watch that uh, Leeds documentary? You know, so if they look it up online, it, they had the premiere over here at the Electric Theater mm-hmm. uh, last week, uh, but it's called A Matter of Faith, Southern Utah, eighteen. 18- 79 and it's the story of john mcfarlane and father lawrence uh scanlon and okay, cool. pretty amazing little story i was fascinated with it how long is it 40 minutes or it's long about 45 minutes yeah, 45 yeah. minutes yeah that's that's not bad no. We're definitely worth a watch and you can uh, find it, was, it online yeah it was a, a local cinematographer mm-hmm. created it uh uh last name is Falks and i can't remember his, his first name he's uh, but he was from Leeds, and he's done several others that have won many awards. And uh, so, yeah. but a beautiful story. So many talented people, and such rich history here in Southern Utah. Do you do do the people that live in Leeds? Do they 
are, do they embrace the history of a mining town as a town that really had some gritty roots to it? Or, or are they kind of like, now nah, that was then, this is now? Boy, we've got both. We've yeah. got both. Uh, we've got uh, just some wonderful uh, historical uh, lineage that live in Leeds and uh, uh, the Savage family. And uh, they're, they're, one of their daughters is still living right there, farms her, her place, and right. just phenomenal with the history. She'll come in and give us uh, sometimes during city council uh, a, a historical lesson of some sort. And then um, we've got other families who are coming in from California or Chicago or Tennessee, and right. um, but they're not trying to bring that with them, which is great. They want to uh, absorb what historically was there. And a lot of them will volunteer over at the museum as docents and mm-hmm. uh, or – uh, get involved with the local politics and volunteering. It's it's just really a, a community um, spirit that does more embrace the historical lineage instead of trying to turning it all into something it's not. And we we had the former mayor of Leeds on before. I forget his name now. You probably could tell Wayne me. Peterson. Yeah, he, he's been on the show. Uh, he actually came on right after the first Leeds uh, documentary was okay, out. Okay. Yeah. And we He's talked a lot about that. Yeah, he, he is. And uh, he, I, what, is he from New Jersey or something Jersey, like that? I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is where my wife is from, coincidentally. But, um, yeah, I, I think that it's – I've always been a believer it's important to embrace history in the past. And I'd love to hear that, you know, you say people are coming in from out of the area, and instead of you assimilate to us, they're going, all right, no, we want to come and, and assimilate to the community. True. Yeah. That's important. It is, and it, it, it it's nice to see that kind of attitude uh, where most of the people are leaving those areas for a reason, and they're coming, yeah, yeah to, to find a, a less congested, a more embracing environment. And, and a little conservative, a little bit. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> All right, uh, let's talk about the Hurricane Valley Fire District. You are sure. are you the new like chairman or or president or whatever it is? Uh, the chair, yeah. chair. Okay, and and what does that entail? What does that mean for you? And and what do you uh, what do they expect out of you? Well, it's interesting because it's it's a board made of elected officials, and we're not the taxing entity. Uh, the county is actually the taxing entity. Okay, and so just recently, I think. A lot of people saw a tax notice for property tax uh, increase f- portion for the fire service of 89%. And this board didn't create any of that. Oh, it wasn't was, you. Okay. Yeah, it was the prior board. And so as soon as we came in, we kind of received that. <clears throat> it was something that we we had to look at carefully because, <clears throat> excuse me, they had, uh, they'd hired a bunch of uh, new people and uh, – the equipment for that and training and all of these expenses associated with it mm-hmm. because we are growing so much and emergency response is really a critical element of sure. of a community that's that's growing that fast. So this board came in, took a look at the budget, took a look at the revenues and how we were doing things and that uh, 89% was discouraged by the board to the Washington uh, commissioners and so now we're back at the drawing board and trying to find ways to creatively um, – bring that revenue into the fire district so that it can sustain it. It's a tough position for our chief. Uh, he's, he's a phenomenal leader and I have all the faith in the world and uh, his capabilities and such. He, he came from Provo, uh, as, a, uh, um, 
I think he was a battalion chief there. I can't recall, but um, I, I knew Tom for quite a while, and he uh, he came from a larger department up there. Came to uh, Hurricane where I think they start. They had like eight full time people and a bunch of volunteers, and but as the place has grown, he's had to bring in infrastructure to sustain right. uh, the call volume and the response times necessary. And we're still kind of a, a suburban or rural population, but that's changing a lot. And so there's kind of a, a, a little gap there, a little chasm that has to be crossed. And it's better to err on the side of caution and have the resources available than not. And so Tom is... Uh, helping us to uh, to manage that for him and and how we can do that without um, hurting the existing tax base for uh, for right. the citizens. I think a lot of people would agree the number one uh, purpose of government is to make sure its citizens are safe and cared so. for, and uh, and and so that's a big one. And 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 the truth of the matter is, Bill, if if you're if you have a heart attack, if you're dying, you don't care who's on what board or how much taxes you paid. You just don't want to die, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's the bottom line. You know, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some perspective into that because um, I was, you know, in EMS. I was a firefighter as well up in Davis County, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, it it would be wonderful if we had an ambulance and a fire truck following us around 24 seven. Yeah. And uh, but that's not realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are multi million dollar machines uh each firefighter and paramedic is significantly expensive and so we strategically try to bring reasonable health care and and public safety with placing the the resources and proximity to where those things are going to happen but you look at the geography that this service district carries which is the largest in the country very very big it's huge and so is it realistic for someone up in at the top of co-op to think that they're going to get a three-minute response time for a critical injury no it's not and but you've got to understand that i think if you if you're going to take those risks that's kind of what's expected and associated we do have access to helicopters you know with with ihc here and that and some of those things can be implemented to to try and um absolve the critical uh incidents that happen outside of the response boundaries but we have to keep it realistic of what we can afford the so so response time in in the area the the population area is pretty quick would you say with three to five minutes if if i have an emergency in hurricane or leverkin or leeds or tokerville well it depends on how you look at that if you're the one having the emergency it's hours right oh yeah (laughs) each second is an hour you Um, would know yeah but you know the reality is is that the national standard on an emergency is about seven to eight minutes okay. uh, for response time. And that's that's kind of the extreme. Um, I've talked with our, our dispatch center quite often and looked at the, the response statistics, and they're actually pretty good. Our, our chief has managed that so well in, in strategically locating those uh, departments, working with his um, surrounding other departments with mutual aid to, to keep those within the parameter. Now, what kind of can get a little bit uh, hard is when we do need multiple resources to show up. So, for example, a, a larger structure fire or a multi-patient um, casu- uh, casualty situation, yeah. and bringing those those resources in leave gaps in other areas. So, if another incident happens, well, we got a really res- long response time. And so, all of those in aggregate, we I think are, are managing pretty well. 
they they always say uh, you've heard the phrase a three alarm fire or a five alarm fire. Right. Uh, is there a situation where you would call your neighbors in Washington City or St. George or whatever and say, oh, yeah. "We got a big one. We need your help." Yeah, yeah, that happens frequently. Not not frequently, I should say, but um, you know, in those circumstances, the the chief that arrives on scene will make that call immediately of of what alarm this needs to be, and dispatch will send the appropriate. Uh, resources now sometimes to also fill the gap they'll they'll respond to the middle and wait uh, to see if they need to go in but they're also covering uh, the surrounding area for right. the next emergency and that's something to keep in mind and a lot of people don't think about is the gap of if everybody goes to help with something right that means where they were isn't is, covered is, is naked yeah, yeah. You're right so uh, and I don't think people think about that very often they just think about okay get to the emergency well what if there's another one We've got a big controversy that's happening over there right now. I'll be uh, open with it's uh, the shift work that these guys do. And Mm -hmm. before it used to be, you know, 24 on, 24 off, and you'd have four days off and uh, then go back into that 24 on, 24 off for a week. And they are looking now at trying to uh, provide the the fire department's personnel with a 4896, which is they're working 48 hours and then they got 96 hours off. Hmm. And, And... We've had to, as a board, look at that across uh, multiple studies and such. And we're we're actually going to be voting on that this uh, this next board meeting uh, to see if we can help the the circumstances which most of the employees want that system. But there's also concern: will they be fatigued when they show up to render the medical care or or what have it be? And so it's a it's a fine balance, and and we've been working closely with the administration to uh, find the right answer to that. So, so do you mean literally they would be on for 48 straight hours? Correct. Yeah, right now they're on 24. Wow. 48 is, I mean, that's a big ask. That is two full days without, I, I guess they can sleep in between, hopefully. A oh, they do. Bit. Yeah. But that uh, that's big. Wow. Well, the the hard part is also when, um, when you come home and you recalibrate mm-hmm. uh, and then try to spend some time with your family and then you're back um, – on the shift and you're not really able to get that quality time with your family. And so that's what a lot of the studies are showing of why most fire departments have gone to this, like Los Angeles County and city and San Diego. A lot of these have embraced this. um, And almost every agency in Utah state has as well. And they find that that 96 allows them to recalibrate and then spend some more quality time with their family. And uh, some actually will uh, have noted that, their depression or anxiety is reduced. Hmm. I uh, I was having a conversation with my wife about this, and she she asked me. She said, "Well, why don't police and paramedics and and those type of people work a regular shift, work an eight hour shift, and then go home and go with their family and go to bed, and then get up and work another eight hour shift?" And I, I was like, "Well, th- that's because they." And I was like, "Actually, I don't have a really good answer, <laughs> but you're an insider. Maybe you sure. c- could explain it to us a little better." Well, it. A lot of it has to do with logistics, and so for a fire service, it makes a whole whole lot of sense to to run a twenty four hour manning, uh, you know, of those. And so, for someone to wake up and you know go in do a graveyard shift with that, uh, it just doesn't provide um, a whole lot of sense, I should say. Uh, for and in a lot of private. Uh, EMS providers like Gold Cross up in Salt Lake City, they do do that. Mm-hmm. They'll do eight and twelve and twenty-four hour shifts, and um, but they're running a lot. Uh, they are back-to-back calls uh, the entire time. Hmm. Whereas in our fire department, they may—I mean, I 
I ran the statistics and looking at how many calls they'll go on at, at night, and it's it averages two point one. And in now, twelve that, hours, in or during a twelve-hour period at okay. night after six o'clock, yeah. yeah, and or ten o'clock rather until six a.m. But it just is um, logistically and financially better to have those done with that kind of a call volume uh, for the coverage that they need. You'll see a lot of police officers do do the, the the shorter shifts. They don't do the twenty-four hour. They'll do you know the eight and twelves and uh, but. Uh, it's it's just a little different with the fire service at EMS. Okay. All right. We're talking with Bill Hoster. One more commercial break in. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap it up and talk a little bit more about Leeds and some of the uh, issues with Leeds City. Bill, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll have some more here in a second. Truly a pleasure. This is Mark Levin, and you're listening to The Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890, 92.5 KDXU. Stay tuned to KDXU for my show at 6 p.m. today. Welcome back to Mayberry. Well, not really, to the Andy Griffin Show. And thanks for tuning in. Bill Hosser is the mayor of Leeds, uh, also a former paramedic, and actually right in the middle of the Hurricane Valley Fire District and paramedics and firemen and, and all that stuff. And uh, I guess that's when you spend a lot of your time talking, working on all that kind of that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of hours that go into all of that, and the the pay is great though. Yeah, the, the zero dollars and zero, zero cents. Yeah. yeah, all that volunteerism. I want to ask you a little bit about this. Is isn't about leads exactly? We still got about six or seven minutes. We'll talk some more about leads. But uh, you know, I, I lost a brother to suicide, uh, and it's it's come to light in in modern times that uh, soldiers, police officers, firemen, first responder types have a much higher incident of of mental illness and, and quite frankly, suicide. Uh, because they, a lot of times, and I've talked to, you know, I've had the police chief on here, and he says a lot of times you put that stuff in a box and you don't deal with it. And then when either you're off your shift or maybe when you're retired, then you have to deal with all that stuff that has been put aside and you haven't really thought about for a long time. Is this something that, you know, you having been ex- an experience as a paramedic and as a firefighter, is this something that you've seen too, that there's a lot of stuff you just don't really even think much about until you're forced to? Yeah, I'm probably a good guy to ask this because I, I when I first started, we didn't have any of the therapies or treatments. Right, we, sure. We didn't ever even acknowledge it. I I think my first call <clears throat> was a mid-air collision between uh, a SkyWest and a Cessna out over uh, Kearns. Wow. And we picked up bodies in, in uh, the uh, parking lots. And um, it was it was really a, a traumatic incident. Yeah. And there were about 14 of us that uh, had gone on all this and... Um, if you didn't, uh, uh, you were just basically to, you know, buck up, right? Yeah, um, deal with it. Yeah, and, you know, so we had kind of warped senses of humor that came along with that. Sure, the way of dealing with it, I understand. Yeah, you know, when you're face-to-face with your colleagues, and then you kind of go, you go home, and you shut down with your kids, you shut down with your wife. I know for years, uh, I was, I was tough on my kids with what they could and couldn't do, you know, sure. and, uh, I would project, oh yeah, you know, the nice 16 year old girl, um, with her, you know, boyfriend and he's trying to show off and runs into the telephone pole, you know, those kinds yeah. of things where you're like, God, they were just fine. 
two seconds ago, right? Yeah. You know, and so those things I think start to create n- new anxieties, new depressions uh, that they're not typically used to. I was a Navy corpsman, um, actually served mm. in Desert Storm, and okay. you know that the group of guys that I dealt with there, it's totally different than with fire and EMS uh, and police because you're dealing with it every day. You're seeing in in a non war environment uh where you're walking right into their living room and seeing the worst day of their life um it's not just the patient you're also dealing with that family member and you start to project so all of those things have have really taken taken a larger step toward mental health um rehabilitation for the employees within this uh, arena and i don't think it's near enough of what it should be um i think in in more eastern uh departments they really take a priority on this uh Mm. in the country but hopefully what we find is that there is empathy within the administration of each department to understand that when someone says i got to check out they've got the resources right there 24 7 it's a part of their um it's a part of their job uh to uh to be able to talk to somebody and um work through maybe some challenges I think we've got to get over the idea that you're soft or you're 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 not tough enough or you know rub some dirt on it like you said buck up uh, because that was our attitude and it it that doesn't work it we thought it worked it doesn't work and and that's why we've lost so many people who have experienced those kind of traumas in their life because they nobody wanted to help them they don't say oh just get over it and that that's not real that doesn't work. Yeah, you're right. There's, I, I've got a lot of friends who uh, experienced it and didn't didn't win. Um, mm. And uh, I can tell you that you know the the hard part about that is is that it's not just the PTSD or you know we we've kind of <laughs> brought it down to it you know an acronym now. Yeah. Um, you know I love George Carlin's uh, euphemism of the it used to be shell shock and man yeah, you know you, that's right. Uh, but we've, we've kind of minimized it but there's also other components that come in into it as well which include drug addiction alcohol mm-hmm. addiction domestic violence domestic, yeah. um abuse other things that kind of it may not end in in just killing themselves uh, as much as uh hurting their family hurting their loved ones and th- themselves even further and so the quicker we can kind of dive into these things and and stop the inevitable i think the better well said, well said. We've only got about uh, two minutes left, so okay. we don't want to leave on a negative uh, thought here. Let's talk a little bit, again, about the future of leads before I, I let you go. Uh, leads growth-wise, do you, is it on par with, say, a Hurricane or a Tokerville where you're going to have, uh, you said, maybe not quite explosive growth, but a lot of growth? I think we'll have, yeah, we'll have some growth. It's not, Tokerville's expecting three, 4,000 homes, uh, rooftops yeah. to be coming in. Uh, Hurricane, I think the last... Nanette told me they had 17,000 p- permits yeah. out uh, or more. And, you know, Leeds is not that. And that's what I love about Leeds so much. Mm-hmm. We do have a little more wind than everybody else. And I, <laughs> uh, I think it's because everyone else sucks. Uh, so, yeah, could be. <laughs> you know, so the wind comes through us a little bit. And as New Harmony blows, maybe. I don't uh, know. Yeah, something. I'm kidding. Uh, but, you know, the, uh, the growth component, we, we have zoned appropriately, and we've helped to manage how that it's going to stay that way in the future. I'll be gone in three years. I'm sure that whoever else comes back in behind me is going to maintain that uh, that sparsity of uh, of growth and um, 
and neighborhoods. And we do expect some commercial to come along with that, uh, but it's not going to be anything that I think is going to disturb the current aesthetics. Any change in the the way the roads go through leads uh, coming up at all? Yeah, we're anticipating uh, an interchange to be happening north of leads. That'll, okay. that'll be a clover interchange. And right now, if you get off uh, the north part of Leeds to get back on, you got to go to the south part of Leeds, right. run up Main Street, and that's part of DOT right now. So, um, yeah, we anticipate that to change. Okay. Well, uh, Bill, I, th- I appreciate you coming on. I'm glad we got together. I'd li- like to have you as a regular part of the show on okay, you know, every couple of months or whatever, have you on here and That'd talk about great. your town. That would be so, great. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate your uh, candid uh, thoughts uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, the first responders and, and mental health. So uh, we have run out of time. We'll have you on again. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you, Andy. Thank you. Back tomorrow, Open Line Friday on the Andy Griffin Show. We will talk to you then. Thanks for listening.